Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Our History. My name is Tony DeBolfo, and I'm uh, speaking to you from the confines of the Bristol Media Room here at Visi Park. And now to today's guest. His career was confined to 71 senior appearances over eight seasons and a grand final appearance amongst them. But I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, has there ever been a greater Carlton cult hero than today's guest? He lived with his Italian-born parents in the shadows of the legend stand at the Garden Street end of the old Princess Park ground. And through the 1970s and 80s, he dazzled the dark navy blue faithful with his pace, his pirouettes and his canny evasive skills. Similarly, he was subjected to all the twists and turns this often cruel game presents. Fate would take him across the Nullarbor to Subiaco, back to Carlton for a second stint, and then on to Melbourne and finally Sydney, where his league career would end more than 10 years after it had begun. But home was always where the heart is for the man in the number four Guernsey, whose trademark Afro hairstyle is a little shorter and a little greyer these days, but remains firmly affixed to the head of one of Carlton's most endearing and enduring characters. Of course, I'm speaking of Vinnie the Cat, Vin Catoggio, and the great man joins us now. Vincenzo, welcome back to Carlton. It's great to be here, Beast. Now, Vinnie, we've got a lot of er a lot of territory to cover, um, and we have to go right back, even to the days beyond uh, Carlton, to your days as a, a junior player at Princess Hill. And before this telecast started, this broadcast, I should say, uh, you were speaking of one of the great influences of, on your career as a footballer, uh, Mr Carroll. Can you tell the story about the late Mr Carroll and his influence on you at Princess Hill? Uh, yes, uh, Tony. Um, I was a pretty ordinary footballer uh, when I started under-13s and went right through about under-16s and never got much of a touch and... You know, just throw you on a half-back flank and, you know, you get a, one or two touches a week and that was it. And um, he felt like he didn't uh, contribute. But um, he one night uh, showed us all how to balk and blind turn around the goalposts and uh, then later took us up um, along uh, Royal Parade and we balked the trees. And for some reason, I just, I just took it. Um, it came very natural. Um, it was just like a bit of a challenge to me. I just sort of got around it pretty easily and I, f I felt very comfortable in doing that. And uh, weeks later, he, I, I still wasn't getting a kick, <laughs> but weeks later he just said to me one day before a game, he said, look, he said, you're very quick. He said, so just get the ball and run and bounce it. So I started doing that and um, all of a sudden, you know, I just found myself out and, you know, by myself running and all of a sudden, when players were coming towards me, I was able to sidestep, get around. And there was one game that, um, I don't mean to sound like a hog, I suppose, but I actually got the ball on the back line and, and bounced it about 10 times to the goal square and kicked the goal, you know, because then it, people were coming at me and I was just getting around them. So all of a sudden, I think uh, about 16, I just started to get a bit of confidence. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, Every time I got the ball, I knew I could get around people. So, yeah, it changed my, my whole uh, footy career. And it's fascinating to hear the story, Vin, when you consider that perhaps in today's game um, where, you know, there's so much of an emphasis on, on the team thing and, and it's all regimented, that maybe there isn't the sort of scope that you enjoyed at that time to actually take the game on. 
Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um, there's still a place for it if you're able to, you know, quickly get the ball and get around the person in front of you and then deliver. Uh, but you probably uh, couldn't hang on to it too long because you, you're, um, I suppose, the guy's upfield to be out of position. You know, if you hung on too, <laughs> too long, and you'd probably get a spray. You know. And you said you said that Mr. Carroll's no longer with us. He was a taxi driver, I think, by profession. W- was he around long enough to see your career as a league footballer? Pan out? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he was around. Um, he only passed away probably, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, so during that time when I was playing, I always credited him for his you know, wonderful help. Now, Vinny, you came to uh, the club, as I say, from pretty much over the uh, the back fence. Uh, the family home was, as I said earlier, in Garden Street, just over the back of the, the legend stand. Can you actually paint the picture of what life was like for you living in that house in the shadows of the old grandstand and, and your involvement with the club as a little kid? Uh, yes, yeah, mum and dad still live across the road. Um, mum's 87, dad's 86. Um, it was, uh, look, it was fun growing up around here. The ground was completely different. Um, weren't, I think the gardener stand and the Heatley were the only two at the time and then they built the social club. Um but uh, our playground was the Carlton football ground. We used to, as many times as possible, sneak in under the fences or over the fences and, you know, get out on the ground and think we were uh, Alex Cezalenko. <laughs> and, yeah, we played on the hills. There used to be uh, some old um, uh, pieces of tin and you'd slide down the hills. And so and, and until we got kicked off the ground or you know, out, of the, out of the ground... But, uh, yeah, it was part of our growing up. And it was fantastic on match days because um, we would wait till three-quarter time till the gates open and then come in and watch the last quarter <laughs> as young kids. And uh, and it was great atmosphere because there was a lot of people around. Um, and, yeah, my mother and father really enjoyed it. And actually, since football stopped here um, at Princess Park, as it was known then, um, my mo- my mother's missed it because she missed the um, the atmosphere and the people that were around on Saturday afternoon. So it's got a lot quieter. I'm sure it has. And Vin, um, those early years, you mentioned sneaking to the the through the gate. You know, the last quarter of those games. Are there moments that you remember of specific games that you saw? You know, did you have a favourite Carlton player? Who was the number that you had on your back as a kid? Uh, when I first started, my mother knit my first football jumper. I don't think we could afford to buy one. but uh, And um, she asked me what number I wanted, and I wanted number 10, Adrian Gallagher. And I wore that for a few years. And then I think, I'm not sure if Adrian left, or, um, but uh, it was easy to take the zero off and add the one. It was John Gould, so I had number 11 on my back for a few years. And then later on, I think everyone in Melbourne had number 25 on their back. So for a, for a while there, we all used to run around pretending we were Alex Cezalenko. <laughs> what a player he was. And, and Vinny, um, did you believe in those early years that, you know, one day this might be me out there? Uh, no, no. Never, never once as a kid growing up did I ever envisaged uh, playing for Carlton. I asked Alex Marcou recently about his upbringing and he talked about, you know, his heritage, his Greek Macedonian heritage. Can you talk a little bit about your father and mother's upbringing, where they came from when, when they came to Carlton and a little bit about their story? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, mum and dad both came from the same um, village, uh, uh, Montemuro, just out of Potenza. 
And they were actually second cousins, so they had the same name, but both Katojios. <laughs> but they didn't know each other, you know, being kids over there. So my my their their fathers both came over here to set up, uh, you know, their life basically. But the depression came on, so um, they had to sit around for four or five years. And during that time, um, my father wasn't born when my grandfather left, see? So, um, and after he was born a couple of years later, his mother died. So they had no no mother, basically. And, and uh, I think they just got a lady from the village to look after the two kids. And uh, by the time my grandfather had made enough money to get his family over, uh, he'd never seen my father. So my father was 10 by the time he came here and it was the first time they'd ever met. And during that, and by the way, my grandfather married this woman by proxy. So he hadn't even seen her. So 10 years later, after they initially left Italy, they probably, you, you could imagine being at Port Melbourne, I suppose, they get off the boat and he's seen his wife and son. He had another another son, which was about two years old, I suppose, at the time. And um, seen his seen his son and, and and wife for the first time. Incredible story. And mm. how long have they been in the house at Carlton? Um, they've been there about uh, nearly sixty years. Okay, mm. so they would have seen a lot of change to the to the area. I dare say, and of course, Carlton was a, a very strong Italian enclave. Um, Peter Bevilacqua. Yeah. I understand he's related to you, former Carlton player and the only Italian-born league footballer. Yes, yeah. His um, his brother Tony was my uncle. Right. Mm. Okay. So it was a, a very strong territorial link that the family had with this area and still has. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Now, Vin, um, we've talked to you about your your childhood experiences and your favourite player at Carlton. Can you talk a little bit now about the circumstances of your signing to the club as a, as a junior? You you were you were um, encouraged to come to Carlton to play in the... Under-19s. Under-19s? Yeah. What were the circumstances there? Who made the overtures from the club to you? Um, we used to just play in the lo- in the park uh, nearby and just before the home games here at Carlton, um, some of the, I suppose, scouts back in those days used to come over and jot down a few numbers and maybe I was running down the wing having a few bounces <laughs> and... <laughs> Sort of saw my saw me there, and I remember I used to wear number eighteen actually for Princess Hill, and um, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a letter uh, Christmas time asking me to come to training uh, for the under nineteens, and lucky enough to get through and make the squad and play um, year of under nineteens. And I think George Armstrong was the man you, yeah. you named as having been involved in getting you across. That's right, yeah. And George was a great Carlton man. Who was your first coach here at Carlton? Uh, in the, in the uh, under-19s, under Bill Hoogan, and uh, in the reserves, Keith McKenzie. Capers uh, uh, um, still going strong, yeah. of course. Now, you obviously took all before you in those first two seasons, 72 and 73. You, you, you've won the Morris in 72 and the Garda in 73. Um, you know, you obviously found your feet pretty early. There didn't seem to be any problem in acclimatising at that level at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think it was um, <clears throat> mainly, <laughs> it's hard to say because I don't think I really played all that well. I just think that, um, you know, I might have got a few votes because I was a bit flashy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, had, I had some good games, but um, I don't know, you know. Look, I mean, 
I suppose you, you, you sometimes when you win these awards, you can be a bit harsh on yourself. But you know, I don't think I was probably you know uh, in the I didn't win the best and fairest in uh, um, in those sides in any of those years. But I was able to attract votes from the umpires. You know, did that have anything to do with the afro? Was the afro out and about at uh, that stage? Yeah, it was just starting to to prop up. <laughs> And, of course, you um, cut your teeth presumably as a rover? Yeah, mainly as a rover. And then you, you broke through, I think, in 73. You might have made your debut against Collingwood, I recall, seventh or eighth round of that year. Spot on. Do you remember the circumstances and, uh, and the experience? Yeah, well, I'd, only, I'd played the year before. I played the last seven games in the reserves and then the following year made the, the list in... 73, then played about eight or nine reserve games and then got a game on the bench. But back in those days, 19th and 20th, and I remember going on with about three minutes to go in the last quarter, so never never got a touch, you know. And I remember the bloke I played on, actually, um, Colin uh, uh, Britt or Pitt? Con Britt. Con Britt, Con Britt. that's it, yes, Con Britt. a fairly vigorous, intimidating sort of figure. Yeah, I played on him. I went. I just, you know, whoever came off, I went on to, and he, he sort of picked me up, and I, I just remember because he was a you know, bit of a, a name player. Um, and then the siren went, I don't think I needed to shower, you know. <laughs> <laughs> was that game here or at Victoria Park? No, it was Park? here. It was here. It was here. Yeah. And I take it mum and dad were here. Uh, yeah, they would have been here for sure. Fantastic experience, yeah. albeit brief. Yeah. But you did play the following week, I think you. Yeah, so I actually played the following week uh, at South Melbourne, and I played the whole last quarter. Um, Brent Croswell came off for, for something, and I went on um, a second rover to Brian Walsh. And um, in actual fact, that 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 game was my the game. I kicked my first league goal, and uh, it was Walsey that actually passed it to me and. Um, I was, you know, he took it. He took it, taking a mark about, um, you know, fifty meters out, and I could see him looking at me and just signalling to me to sort of lead. So he made out he was having a shot, and and as he was about to kick it, I led, and he just gave me a, you know, ten meter pass, and I, I went back and was at South Melbourne, and I remember the grandstand, and I well thought, Jesus, my chance. <laughs> nice and I, yeah, and I, and I remember kicking my first goal. You know, it was fantastic. What. Is it like coming into a place where you've got, you know, men of the stature of John Nichols, Alex Jezelenko, Robert Walls, Bruce Duell? I mean, were you intimidated by their presence? Did they take you under the wing? What was it like, the, the, the interaction, the dynamics? Um, look, I think, to be honest, uh, I, I can't... Uh, all, I can, all I can remember was that um, I, I don't belong here. You know, I was a skinny little kid... And I'm looking at blokes like Jezza, the way they were built, and um, you know Croswell, and you know uh, Vinnie Waite, and um, you know Dooley, Southby, all those guys. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, I just feel embarrassed. <laughs> I don't think I wore short sleeves for many years because I was very skinny, <laughs> so I'd always wear long sleeves. And I think, you know, I just felt a little bit, in, you know, in, yeah, intimidated because I didn't think I was anywhere as good as to be. At, in that situation you know? and did you find that you had to earn your stripes in time did, did you find that the you know the interaction improved with those players because they basically accepted you as a senior player yeah i think what happens is is that my first stint here because as you know I, I went over to perth um i only played 
you know, a handful of games. So you're sort of right in and out um, and you sort of don't feel like you're part of the team and, and probably the senior players think the same. They probably think, oh, you know, who's in this week, who's out? Um, it's not until you become more or less established where you get the respect, I think, you know. They can uh, look at you and think, well, he's going to contribute enough for us today, you know. And John Nichols, of course, was captain coach of the club at that time. That's right. We, yeah. You know, we don't see captain coaches anymore. You know, what was the influence of Nichols on you? Um, look, he, he was, um, I suppose, back then, yeah, look, he probably didn't say a lot to me, to be honest. Um, I don't know if John was more of a teacher. I think he was more of a, you know, like he played and you had that much respect for him. Um, yeah, so I don't really think, you know, I, I, I learnt a lot, of, but I, I respected him and, um, you know, he just uh, sort of taught us that, you know, you had to earn your stripes to, to, to be in the side. And I remember actually he was uh, not playing uh, this season. He was just coaching and I remember... The first time I got uh, best on ground uh, was against St Kilda at Moorabbin and we went back to a hotel. And I remember he came up to me at the bar and he said to me, you know, great game. And he says, you know, that game's going to give you three more for sh- certain games, you know. So he said, the next three weeks, just relax. Yeah, and I just thought that was wonderful to, to know, wow, you know, you're going to at least play the next three weeks. And as it was, the following week, I actually went out and played a very good game and got another vote um, because I was relaxed thinking and I was thinking okay I've got another vote here I might get another three go <laughs> I wonder if that still happens I don't know I don't know but that's you know that's that was something that um, and now I had a that was, wasn't a bad year for me I, I probably played you know 10 or 12 games you know which was yeah and it was a very hard side to get into that was a that was a thing so and yet, of course, in 73, circumstances were such that you were suddenly called upon, you know, uh, with the team making the charge to the, the last Saturday in September. Um, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but you played the two games for the home and away season in 73 and you were called up then at finals time? There was a, yeah. a lull between? Yeah. I hadn't played... Uh... Well, what, what actually happened was we played in the finals um, that year and we played in the uh, first final and I got a really bad corky. So I was only coming to the club to get me corky fixed up and watching watching the boys train. And it was, might have been Keith McKenzie. He said, look, he said, it'd be good experience for you to, you know, go out and train with the boys. So I waited a week or so to my, my corky... Um, you know, became okay, and just trained, and um, that was it basically. And I was just wrapped, just to be running around, you know, with the guys that were going to be playing in the next few weeks. And then we had a dramatic week when um, uh, I think Barry Armstrong might have pulled a hammy or or something like that. And Trevor Keogh was taken ill, or yeah, or, or vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden. Um, you know, people were saying, well, you know, they're going to have to put somebody in. And I think it was between Ashy and myself at the time. Um, so, you know, it went my way. But, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, it wasn't a good game for me. And, you know, we I think we got beaten by three or four goals. In retrospect, I mean, um, 
did you feel that you were ready for that experience? No. No. I, I just want to cut in here, Vin, and you mentioned Brent Croswell earlier, one of the great Carlton players and an even greater football writer, I think. And I just want to read you this little piece that he wrote, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts. This is about that experience. When Vinny came into the rooms after that game, he was pale and upset. He made straight for the showers because his statistics read three kicks and five handballs. It was sad to see his solitary form sitting in the bath, his arms resting on his knees, his head down, his eyes full of tears. That grand final failure was the worst experience of Vinny's life. It coloured the rest of his sporting career. In fact, he didn't play a senior game in 74. He was, in his own words, never in contention. Throughout his football career, he sought absolution and an opportunity to atone for this failure, but he didn't get another chance because 73 was his last grand final. Reflecting on those comments, was Brent pretty close to the mark? Um, Yeah, probably 100%. Yeah? Yeah. It it was a tough uh, initiation for you. I mean, you hadn't played in the grand final before. Suddenly you're thrust into it. and I mean, it's an enormous... Yeah, um, well, the thing is, as ask, I said, I, I wasn't even training uh, two weeks before that. I was you know, sitting in the rooms getting uh, treatment on a cork in. And I thought my season, mentally, you know, like you, if you your season finishes, you know, you mentally switch off. And then for someone to sort of say, I'll start training again. Um, and I just thought when I started training again, it was just going to be to have an experience of training with but not realising that all of a sudden, Thursday night, I think it was, it was a Thursday night that someone said to me, uh, might have been Keith McKenzie actually came up to me and said, listen, train well because you might be a chance to get in. And I thought, you're kidding. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what happened. So I, I wasn't ready at all, you know what I mean? I just, you know, it's just one of those things. And back in those days, you didn't have, like, mentors, you know. Uh, I remember Vinnie Waite picking me up at um, my place, uh, with his wife and uh, taking me to the game. But, um, you know, it was... Uh, and I'd never played it. Like, I'd never started a game. The two games I'd played were one for three minutes and the other one for a quarter. So I didn't even know what the feeling was to start a game. And to play into a grand final, um, I, I couldn't even hear the whistle blow, you know. It was just that loud. Um, and Kevin Bartlett was a very good player and I played on him... I, even though I could keep up with him, you know, he was um, he was he was a superstar probably at that stage, you know. Now, is it true that you didn't play a game in '74? Yeah, that's right. And was that sort of residual effect from that game? Did yeah. you go into your shell? What what actually happened? No, no. I, I just I just think it was. Um, I, I think I had a bit of a black mark against my name, and and, and deservedly so. I suppose they probably said, look, you know, maybe he was he couldn't handle the pressure or whatever. Um, but I played some good footy that year in the reserves. I think I might have even run second in the Morris Medal. Oh, sorry, Gardner Medal that year. So I had a pretty good year, um, but uh, never, never, never got a look in. You, you may well have been the scapegoat for a disappointing team performance that day, Vin. Um, yeah, look, I'm not too sure, but you know, I just, um, I suppose back then, you know, just copped it on the chin and you know just wanted to play footy, but you know, didn't get a chance at next year. And do you still have a regret about it, or is life too short? You actually move on. You put it out the system. No, no. Look, it's a, it's, it's a great. It's a, a lot of people ask me about it. Yeah, and I, I've actually at times said to people, oh, you know, I, I sometimes get sick of talking about it. But uh, look, it's a, it's a talking point. Um, it did happen, and you just move on. 
for sure. And you did move on because in 75, you strung some pretty good games together for, for the club. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think this is where people's memories of you, you know, dancing around opposition players like the old witches hats really starts to kick in. You know, the memories that supporters have of you are, for the most part, happy ones. And yet in 76, you were curiously leased to Subiaco for two seasons. Do you know how that came about? Yeah, I do actually. Uh, I was playing um, 76, I was playing um, some good footy and Mike Fitzpatrick said to me, um, he said, do you know the problem with you? He said, you're too good for reserves but not good enough for seniors. And he says, you you need to play at a higher level. Um, And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you need to play, you know, South Australia, Western Australia and play in their league to, to get a little bit better. He said, because you're not going to get better playing reserves. And he was 100% right. And I, he said, if you like, he says, you know, I can get you over to Subi. He said, that's where I played, you know. And I said to him, I had to think about it for a week, and I just said to him, mate, yeah, let's do it. I want to go. So um, halfway through the year, um, I think clearances closed or whatever. I think I was leased, that's right. And I went over there and played um, nine games and... Uh, and I remember when I got there, Hassaman was the chairman of the selectors, and he said he gave me some great advice. Where he said a lot of a lot of VFL players come here and think it's going to be easier, and he says, and they all get caught out. He says none of them do too well. He says so if you come here with the right attitude and train the same as you were at Carlton, he says you'll set an example and you'll play well. And I remember and I remember training it was a bit easier than Carlton, and I remember that I trained you know as, as high a standard as I could um, and then that came out in the games and i um, I got um, in that nine games that I played that year I got ten votes in the Sandover medal it was the highest in our side and uh, I ran third in their best and fairest in nine games over there so I played some started to play some good footy. And then the next season, I came came back home, and I just thought I needed another season, so I went back the following season and had a uh, pretty good season. Brian Douge was your coach, at yeah, the old Hawthorne player. Yeah, he was um, he was he was fantastic. He was a great coach. taught taught me a lot. And uh, at the end of the season, Brian said, um, he said, um, I think it's time for you to go back because I think you know you're going to get you're going to go well. And I dare say the the big uh, dry open tracks of WA really suited you. Yeah, yeah. But it was always pretty dry, even if it rained. Um, and you know, there was plenty of bouncing the ball over there, and you know, trying to get around blokes. And I felt very comfortable. And um, and there's some great players over there. Like you know, uh, Jimmy Cracker was just starting to play, and Kenny Hunter was playing, Bazusto was playing, uh, Glenn Dinning, and you know, there were some great names and. And then in the next few years, they all came over here, you know, so it was, a, it was a great competition. And when you came back to Carlton, of course, Carlton itself was changing and uh, I guess we saw the the beginnings of the Mosquito Fleet, you know, all those great small men uh, started out on their careers, which probably didn't help your cause a yeah. hell of a lot. <laughs> and then Jezza, of course, took over as uh, captain coach. That's right. A, a very interesting year, 78. Um, how was it for you? Yeah, it started off. Um, Ian Stewart was coaching us and played played a couple of games with um, with Ian um, coaching, and then um, when he finished up, 
for some reason um, I wasn't getting the game. And I remember playing in the reserves and I, I remember I reckon, I reckon I got five best on grounds in a row. And I thought, you know, what else can I do? <laughs> uh, so you feel a bit frustrated. And I was actually ready to probably quit, I suppose. I, you know, played a reserves game at um, Essendon. You know, I remember, you know, kicking five goals and thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to get a game next week. And, and I actually had a word to Jezza during the week and I said to him, well, you know, I think you've been a little bit unfair. You're playing blokes that aren't performing. And, you know, if you look at what I've done in the last five weeks... Anyway, he just sort of uh, said, yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at it. And I actually played the following week um, at Waverley against Melbourne. And I remember it was my first time I ever kicked two goals in a game, you know. And then I played the following week and kicked three. And I played the following week against Hawthorne here and I kicked four. So all of a sudden I was just starting to get a bit of confidence and um, played the rest of the season. Anyway, that season I ended up... Um, finishing fourth in the best and fairest. Uh, and I remember Jezza saying to me that, yeah, he said, you know, if you would have played another couple of games, you would have won it, you know. So I had a pretty good pretty good year. And I think, I, yeah, I made the state squad that year, but didn't make the, I got injured in one of the finals because they used to play the state game at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, so my opportunity of playing state footy went went out the window when I got injured. Yeah, Jezza obviously was a, a, a great influence, as you said, but just backtracking slightly, for you know, Stewie, Ian Stewart, he was here only for a brief period of yeah. time, but do you, do you remember uh, yeah. that experience? What? Oh, look, he, he was fantastic. He was fantastic because I was – he was one of the reasons I think I started to get a game because he, he – I was training one night over the – on the number one oval there and he, he – um, came up to me after training and he said, um, I've been watching you for, for a while. And he says, I like the way you play. And I thought, geez, <laughs> is it, I've got a bit of support here from the senior coach. And he says, I'm going I'm to give you a go. He says, because I love the way you play. And, and that, for a young kid, you think, wow, you know. So I reckon the next night of training, I, I, I reckon I was on you know cloud nine, uh, probably training better and better. And I remember playing in a practice game and I've still got the article at home somewhere uh, we, we used to play Hawthorne the last practice game every year and uh, before the first game and I played in that practice game and got 40 possessions you know something like um, you know, 28 kicks and 12 handballs and it was, was best on ground you know and then from then on, I just thought, you know, I, I think I can play okay here, you know. So, yeah, so sort of – but then I, I played two or three games, got dropped, played those five good ones, then came back and then um, played, yeah, for two or three years, probably had some good footy here, you know. And Ian Stewart, of course, coach Carlton having played at St Kilda and Richmond. Yeah. And Mick Moldhouse coaches Carlton having played at St Kilda and Richmond. Yeah. What are your thoughts of the new coach? At Carlton in 2013. Yeah, look, I think it's. Uh, I think everyone's wondering, you know, how we're going to go. But um, he's had success. I think everyone's um, looking forward to it. So um, I think he, I think he'll do well. I think we've got a you know nucleus of a good side. 1979 was a premiership year, Vin, under Alex Jezelenko. What happened that year that didn't see you uh, make the cut for that grand final team? Um, yeah, look, I had a. I had a pretty good year in '79. I, I probably played, um, you know, 18, 19 games, I suppose. 
Uh, got a few injuries towards the end of the season um, and there just wasn't enough time to come back um, from those injuries to play you know, at the standard that I was playing. And I remember Jezza being really keen to get get me into the side and um, you know, we were, we were meeting here at lunch times during the week and going for a run and um, dragging tyres and having a kick just to try and get that extra fitness. But back then... We, there was the five, and there was only two. We only played two finals. We won the first one, and we had a rest. And the side played really well, so there was no way getting back into that side. And it wasn't fair to to drop anyone, you know. Um, so that yeah, so that was it. That's life, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know. I look, I, I, I'm I'm wrapped for the guys that played, and you know, it's just just one of those things. I never begrudge anyone. And, of course, 1980, I think, was your final year at Carlton. Um, uh, was it difficult to, to leave the place? I mean, Carlton obviously had been such a big part of your life. Yeah, still is. Yeah, for sure. W- was it hard to leave? Yeah, it was, actually. Uh, probably it came down to, I think, the bottom line was that when they put you up for a bit of a trade, you sort of think, oh, well, they don't really want you. <laughs> so you sort of think, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't hang around. Probably a bad call, um, but who's to know at the time? But, um, you know, probably wish I would have stayed because I probably, you know, I still, I still would have probably uh, would have been able to play some good footy. I think I lost uh, my desire when I went to Melbourne. It was like going from, um, you know, Sorrento to uh, <laughs> Frankston type thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was completely different. Um, and it was hard, hard to get motivated, you know. You went there, I think, with Michael Young as That's part right. of the Greg Wells deal. Yes. Um, you, you catch up with Wellsy? I hope he's thanked you for that. Uh, no, not really, but I, I, I've seen him around. Yeah. Oh, good, good luck to him. You know what I mean? I, I don't hold any grudges. And then, of course, you, you uh, left Melbourne, I think, at the end of 82, and then you transferred to Sydney in 83. You played that one season in Sydney. Yes. Yeah. Which, again, I guess was a quite a unique experience, really. It was. It was fantastic. I'd actually retired, um, Tony. I virtually was going to play for Preston. I was actually trained at Preston under Tony Shaw. Uh, sorry, um, Ray Shaw. Ray Shaw. Yeah. And um, I got a phone call at Easter because they'd, they'd, they'd already played three games. So, um, and uh, it was um, Tony Ball, I think it was, Luke Ball's father. Uh, rang me or or Franklin. Uh, there was a Franklin that was with them anyway. Tony someone, Franklin. Tony yeah. Franklin. Tony yeah. Franklin. That's it. Um, so um, and they said and apparently uh, I think um, someone had had a knee injury and they were going to be out for the year, so they were short on small bikes, and rang me and said we'd like to talk to you. And um, anyway, I had a meeting with them and they basically wanted me to play first first that week and I, I said I haven't been training <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking around to play for you know VFA side and I played a game um, against North Melbourne in the reserves and I did alright four or five goals and I was in the following week so I played the year out there but the following year they wanted me to live up there and I wasn't keen on that so retired and your connection with the club here is really remain unbroken I mean you, you're a Carlton person and, yeah. and you're still passionate about the fortunes of the club where it's heading um, how it's going yeah for sure it still runs deep with oh, you oh very much so I, so, look, I, I don't uh, mean this uh, to be disrespectful 
for Swans and um, Melbourne, but uh, I, I don't even think of that I played for them. You know what I mean? I, it's always back of my mind that you know people associate me with Carlton, and I associate myself with Carlton. Um, I remember I remember Ian Robinson. He was captain of reserves, uh, and he said that um, you're probably better off playing 70 games with Carlton than 150 with you know Footscray or something like that back in those days. You know. He said, because um, you're playing with a great side. And, you know, to, in, in, um, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully to other, other clubs, but, you know, if you, some of the, the, the lower clubs, if you were to say, you know, uh, mention some, some great names, I suppose in some of those clubs you, you mention five or six and then you stop and think, you know. Uh, at Carlton, you could probably name 40 and then be disrespectful to another 30. Because there's so many great players who have played, um, you'd be doing it, you've been doing an injustice to try and pick your best thirty or forty players. Because we've just had so many. And I remember turning up to some games, and you'd look around the room, and you'd, you know, you'd see Jeselinko and Dool, and you know Southby, um, you know Harmsy, and you know McClure, and you know all those sort of blokes, and you think, you know, geez, you'd, you'd squeal so scratch. <laughs> Think to yourself, am I? Should I be here? Um, you know, would I do justice to these guys. You know, but that—that's what it was for like. So you had so much confidence to run out with the, on the ground with those guys, and you knew they were always there to help you. So we're getting towards the end, Vinny. There's a couple of little uh, sides I, I want to put to you. Um, Greg Williams has obviously put the um, the matter of concussion front and centre on, on the landscape football now. Um, you were a slightly frame player, a small player. Um, were you, uh, you know, victim of concussion often? Um, you know, do you think back now, reflect on what Greg said and understand where he's coming from? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, cop some uh, some uh, big whacks. Um, I was concussed a few times and, um, yeah, hit around the head, yeah. Maybe that's my excuse now. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> I forget things. <laughs> you haven't forgotten too much today, and and the 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 afro. I mean, it was it was such a part of of uh, the, your persona. Yeah. Uh, were you conscious of you know the impact you were making on people that were coming to see you play? That you know really loved to watch you. You know, running around yeah. blokes like our witches hats. Yeah. No, it wasn't actually because it was just. Just my natural hairstyle. I'd never sort of made a point to, you know, grow it longer or, you know, make it more curly. But there's just who I was. But I suppose what it's done over the years is, you know, I, I get you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people. If I speak to people on the phone and they say, "What's your name?" and I say, you know, Finger Todd, they always ask me, "You still got the afro?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> and I say, "No, it's, it's gone now." But um, yeah, and I think it's just like I mean, I remember people used to say. Um, like over the years, we never knew who you were, but we always knew knew you as your hair, like your, with your hair. We, we didn't know your name, but they wanted to say, "Oh, that guy with the curly hair that plays for Carlton," you know. So a lot of people probably didn't know my name, but knew of me because because <laughs> of the fuzzy hair. And and it must be fabulous for you to, that people, you know, come up and talk to you about the memories that you gave them. I mean, you know, that you did have such an impact on people that actually saw you play, um, you make people feel happy, which has got to be a good thing. Yeah, look, Tony, I, when I've, probably over the last you know, 15, 20 years, I was just thought I was very lucky to 
to able to be in a position to play footy. I was no superstar, but you know, able to play some you know some good footy at times. And um, I just reckon it's time that you sort of give back to people that uh, watched you play. And I have so many people come up and say that to me and say, you know, like I used to wear your number or you were my favourite player or I used to love watching you play. So in in respect to them, I give them, a, you know, always say hello and ask them their name and, you know, thank them very much for their support because, you know, without the um, people going to the football, I mean, football wouldn't be what it is. So I think... I think you've got to give back a little bit. And I love when people say hello. You know, I mean, I love talking football. Um, and I love, and I want to, I don't want to make people welcome to, to me. I, you see some people say, oh, hi, and just sort of think they're, you know, in, invading your space. But to me, I, I'll go over and say, oh, what's your name? You know, now, and I'd like to share a few, few stories with them um, uh, on my experiences, you know, because a lot of them like to hear that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I, I was in um, Marimbula the other day and, you know, someone, you know, said, Vinny, how are you going? You know, I just went over and said hello to the bloke, you know, and had a 10-minute chat to him. You know, and I get, and I'm, I'm just absolutely over the moon at times because I've been out of football for a long time. But, you know, anything up to two or three times a week, someone says hello, you know, either in the car, someone bips or, um, you, know, you know, talks football, you know. And, that, my jobs and, and that's 30 years after you last played, so yeah. that says a lot. Yeah. Vinny, we are winding up. I have two more questions to ask you, two final questions. The number four, it's worn by Bryce Gibbs. Do you, do you follow Bryce's career? Have you met him? Uh, I have, actually. I've uh, met Bryce, and uh, we've had a photo taken together, and I do follow him, yeah, very much so, because you see the number four running around, and all of a sudden you think, oh, geez, <laughs> it's my number there for a while. But some great players are worn. It sticks wore it was us, though, you know. So a good it's, yeah, it's been a great number. And, and a final one, which we put to all of our guests that come to the Bruce Dill Media Room. What does Carlton actually mean to you? Oh, look, first of all, they gave me the opportunity to, to play, you know, VFL, AFL football. Um, without, without that opportunity, um, you wouldn't be talking to me, I suppose. <laughs> but they've, look, they've always been a great... Uh, and to be um, part of that you know, in a small way, just to have um, represented in uh, the jumper, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, I suppose you, you, you always have it with you and I suppose people associate you with the club um, and uh, they're such a proud club, such a great club. Um, yeah, you know, I'll look to, I suppose, to the day you die, you'll always be associated somewhere along the line and, yeah, just proud to have uh, hopefully done a little bit you know, to um, enhance the, the Carlton name, you know. You've certainly done that. Vin Katojo, thanks very much for uh, you sharing your memories today. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. I'm sure the listeners that remembered you play will warm to what you've said. So um, let's hope we see you around the place forever and a day. And, uh, and to all listening, we'll see you soon for the next uh, podcast at carltonfc.com.au.